We know it's been a while since we dropped an episode and I uh, wanted to thank y'all for the grace you've shown. Um, sometimes this, all of the stuff that's swirling around, you know, with the release of the investigation, the NWSL, the Sally Yates investigation, which we will talk about. Um, we know it's important for us to speak on these things, but, you know, and we, and we know that y'all know this and we want to thank you for knowing that we are also humans and everyone is affected by these um, findings that came out confirmations of things we knew, new things that we did find out that were horrible. Um, and then all of the resulting frustration, sadness, anger, and otherwise that they bring. So um wanted to thank y'all. We are going to get into it, um, but it is going to be a bit of a clunky episode because we do have to transition to talking about soccer at some point. Um, but this is now obviously going to be um, the priority uh, to talk about this because it's necessary, it's needed. Um, I thought it was pretty telling that Sally Yates was basically like, all right, I have enough. I just need to get this out here because I could just stay here and continue to investigate for another year. Um, but there's some stuff that people need to know, and it's more than enough for some sort of action. So um, we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about the investigation, uh, what's happening right now um, as a result of it, what needs to happen next. Um, we're also going to get into the U.S. Women's National Team's no good, very bad European trip uh, and look ahead to the NWSL playoffs. Um, so going to have some odd transitions going into all of that. But, you know, Courtney is here with me, of course, and um, we're going to chat. So uh, before we get into it, Courtney, did you want to say anything? Right now it's a TikTok sound of everything is awful. And that's really <laughs> what it is. <laughs> like everything is awful. And you think yeah. it's going to stop getting worse, and then it has not. Accurate. Very accurate. Um, it's not a good time. Um, we, the thing that's rough for me is that, like, I know that this is necessary. It's long, long overdue. You look at some of the dates and years, and, and we are going to link the Sally Yates piece uh, in the show notes. We're not going to pull out specific things because there's no reason uh, to re-traumatize people. Um, we, we know that everybody has different triggers and thinking about this stuff and talking about this stuff is hard. Um, so we don't want to get into the details, but we will point you to where they are. Um, I actually think Sally Yates did a very good job of composing it. Um, if you look at like the very beginning, you can just see, you know, she labeled every single section, you know, and you can tell like if you need to know more about Christy Holly or whatever, those details are in there. Um, so and it's all broken down, so you can either read what you want to read or avoid what you don't want to read. So um, that is a good way to utilize that. But but yeah, I I guess we'll I guess we'll just start talking about it then. Um, and we knew that it was going to be bad. Um, Sally Yates is not somebody you bring on to do an investigation and think that it's going to be half-assed. Um, we do know that owners are, this is kind of the thing. And the reason why this league has always, you know, some of the, the original owners in this league and, and some of the front office decisions of this league, this is why they've always idolized the NFL is because you can, they have the power in that league and the American football league and the NFL to resist. They have the money and the power to be able to resist being able to be opened up. Um, they have cover from a commissioner, which we saw, if you watch the E60 documentary, which we won't talk about a, a ton, but you saw Lisa Baird in that. You know exactly why she was hired. She was not qualified. She was qualified to be 
a shield for them to be used as a guinea pig or whatever, not even a guinea pig, just to be used. And that was it. So they've always like idolized that structure. And when somebody like Sally Ace comes in, she is smarter than they are. She knows what they what to do, where to go, who to talk to, and what to look at. And basically what it all boiled down to was that they knew. They knew and they've always known. They've known for years about all of the things that we've said they knew about. Players said and came out and said they knew about. They knew about all of the details about Roy Dames. Arnhem Whistler has no, can't get around that. There was, there was a whole section devoted to players and other people saying like, Arnhem will try to say he doesn't know, he fucking knew. So like there's a whole section about that. Paul Riley, same thing. Many people knew. Mary Paulson knew continued to send messages of support about him even after he was let go, even after he was fired. He tried to stand on the fact that they released him uh, internally, but externally he was doing a lot to say that he was he would continue to support him and he thought he was great. Uh, same thing with Christy Holly, James O'Connor, Louisville knew about him, were warned about him beforehand, framed negative feedback they got as a glowing endorsement, <laughs> and then... Of course, he continues to do what he does and what he had done, he has done, and that's prey on players and and harm them. And a lot of people knew. I think other notable people to know things have been Dan Flynn, Jeff Plush, Sunil Galati, Lisa Baird, of course, and of course Jill Ellis. So also Lisa Levine, the general counsel of the NWSL, or former yes. former general counsel. Yes, so many people knew, and it's. It's a thing, you know, the, the the banners would always pop up saying, you know, you knew or you know, or they knew and all of that. And it's just like, it's interesting to read all the statements and hear people say that, or hear, try to hear front office people say that, you know, they know they made a mistake now and that they're holding themselves accountable. And I'm like, some of this stuff goes back more than five years. So like, you've known a very long time well, and there's... have done nothing. There's one thing I want to point to for those who haven't read the report. And I meant to say this before you started talking, but I wanted to wait. And then I was like, oh, God, it's been too long. Um, first, with this report, it while it covers the entire NWSL, it very much does focus on Paul Riley, Chrissy yes. Hawley, and um, <laughs> Rory, Rory Dames. Dames yes. Temporarily forgot his name. Um, and while it does touch on other parts of the league, like I'd do just want to point that out for people that this is while it is deeply thorough and at least in what I will say of comprehensive on these three individuals and parts of the league this is not a investigation for the entirety of the league we know that there are investigations going on right now through the NWSL and the NWSL PA um we actually didn't even have this in the show notes but also we for example just learned um the results of the investigations with the Orlando Pride and Amanda Cromwell um and her, the, the uh, an assistant coach and a goalkeeping coach whose name whose two names escape me that like there are investigations that are ongoing and this is unfortunately not like this is not an the an an investigation of the entirety of the league even though I would love for for example for Sally Yates to go do that <laughs> um but it it really does just kind of focus on those three individuals um and I just want to talk about a few things that were. Why it does very much sum up to they knew. One thing I think that was like outside of the actual substance of what was being reported in this report, 
some things that I think I was surprised about and that others who did not know a lot about, like, not necessarily the history of the league, because you kind of knew it came together on, like, a very shoestring budget and those things. But, you know, I think one thing that we often bring up in this podcast is, um, I mean, particularly when it comes to mostly Vlako and Danofsky, <laughs> but with other things, too, of um, are you learning lessons? Like, there are failures. Are you learning lessons? And it is so abundantly clear throughout the entirety of this import, this report, that U.S. soccer, when setting up the NWSL, did not take a single lesson from the NWSL's predecessors of the WPS and the other ones whose name is just... Oh, oh, so many names are floating around. WUSA. WUSA. Yeah. Uh, thank you. But it's just like, it is so insane to have, to have an inkling of something and being like, I don't really think that these people learned any lessons but really having it put out right in front of you for everyone to read and be like oh yes what i was thinking was correct is damning and shocking and andre i think one thing that is also sticking with me because you know this report comes out of course i'm getting hit up by everyone who like knows like i besides the fact that i know women's soccer but like whenever something happens with the nwsl like they just hit me up like or the U.S. Women's National Team, they're like, Cordy, what's going on? Like, for people who don't, like, necessarily really follow soccer. And it's crazy because my roommate was like, oh, is this worse than the gymnastics scandal with USA Gymnastics? And the man whose name I will not speak because he deserves to rot for the rest of his life. Yes. And the crazy thing is, is I said it's, and Andre, I'm curious to know your thoughts about this. I said it's worse. Like, this is something that has... And I mean, this is something straight from the report that the roots of abuse in women's soccer run deep. They run deep into the youth level and they still continue all the way up through the professional level. And we have players right now who've been playing soccer from when they were four years old and are now in their late 30s. And this abuse has been there for the entire lifetime, but it also will not be eliminated through reform of the NWSL. Yeah, no, I, that's, so I was on the call after the report was released when, um, or the webinar that they did uh, where Sally Yates was talking through the findings. And that was something that she noted uh, specifically is that she didn't have the time or authority within the scope of that investigation to go deep into the youth level. But she acknowledged that that is where, that, that's the root of it. That's how players learn to be comfortable with env- toxic environments, to be comfortable with comments, to be comfortable with being touched in ways that they shouldn't be. Um, so there, there are, there, yes, that really, really, really is terrifying and scary. I think if there was an actual investigation done on it, of course, one, it would take forever because we are talking about millions of players across the country um, and, and thousands of people who hold some level of authority over them. Um, but I think you saw a snapshot of it in the Roy Dame situation where mm-hmm. you saw, you know, he runs that Eclipse soccer group or whatever. And they talked about how parents are so, you know, eager to get their parent, their their kids to play for him and will put up with anything. There were reports of him being in girls' bedrooms alone because the parents have to trust him because they think that he can give them a path to being a professional athlete and maybe getting onto the U.S. Women's National Team or something. So parents just go along with it. There is a lot of complicity there as far as breakdowns on every level from authority in 
you know, coaches and people who proclaim to be saviors or, or kingmakers, whatever it is, on down to parents who allow this stuff to happen and talk it up to just either this is professional sports, this is what you have to deal with, this is the game, this is the way it is, without thinking about protections first. And is this all right? Is this okay? Um, so yeah, I, I do think, I mean, it's obviously we heard a lot about the gymnastics scandal and it, it was massive and it's really hard. It's even hard to compare, but if, if there's ever an investigation that is done into youth U.S. soccer, U.S. US youth women's soccer, it will more than likely be one of the most difficult things to read. And it will be a report that is 10 times the size as this one. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like not only one thing I was thinking about when I was telling my roommate who had asked me about this, of thinking about, for example, like the length of players, potential careers, um, and like, and just the youth, like the youth soccer system in this country between clubs and college programs. And like, it's, it's like the, the spread of it is immense. Um, and a dark thought that I had that I will share on the podcast. But a dark thought that I had was, you know, in women's soccer specifically in the US, we always talk about the 99ers and the world and winning the World Cup and yeah. how that big moment spurred an entire generation yeah. of women's soccer players in this country. But it also spurred well, I'm not gonna say it spurred, but with that inspiration for an entire generation of women's soccer players in this country, it also made people, as they pointed into this report, and as you just said, so excited, so thirsty for their like parents, for example, wanting their kids to, you know, make it on the US national team and become a professional soccer players, is that it it also allowed for, you know, p- terrible people to be put in power that enabled a generation of abuse. Yeah, I think that's a very good point and I think you can even see the root. I know there was an old like Sports Illustrated article article going around where you can even see like the roots of being comfortable with things like grooming and whatnot, where multiple players on that 99er team are married to former coaches who coached them when they were playing. And that's just that dynamic. Like if people really want to dive into that, which they obviously don't like the quotes were like basically running away from any comments on that, but it is, it's a lot and there's a lot to be fixed. Um, I think that, this is on a personal, like on, on a personal level from the way that I've always kind of viewed uh, women's sports and women's soccer in general is I think, I think a lot of this is, and, and Meg Linehan mentioned some of this uh, when she did interviews with Levitard show, um, specifically the in-depth talk she did with uh, Kate Fagan and Jessica Smetana. Um, they had an episode that I encourage y'all to listen to because um, it's very good. And she kind of starts from the beginning and in the beginning, like Courtney mentioned, the two failed leagues, WUSA and the WPS, there were multiple reasons why those leagues folded. Um, but and U.S. soccer stepped in to kind of like be a savior. But then you you listen to, say, like Megan Burke in the E60 say that there was no anti-discrimination policy. There's no anti-harassment policy. There's no like anti-fragmentation policy. Exactly. There, like there there's no nothing. policy saying you cannot date a player nothing yes there was nothing and and they just threw this league together like all right put the players on the pitch and the rest of it whatever and what that allowed things what that allowed is people owners and and coaches and anybody with authority to be able to step in 
and make basically put in the bare minimum because the bare minimum was put in in terms of policies of what you could and couldn't do, the environments that you were required, the standards you were required to, professional, we're not even talking about professionalism, like how do you get to and from games or structurally, organizationally, how do you operate? But like, you know, what can you, what can you and can you not do to a player? None of that stuff was coded. So the only thing protecting them was the law, (laughs) whether something was criminal and they could go and prove it somehow. And that is not the way you run a league. But I think it's, it's important to note that this framing of women's sports and in in this instance, women's soccer as charity breeds this type of thing where you do owners do look for shortcuts. They're in it as an investment and they want to put the bare minimum in it and they will say, Hey, Oh, Roy Dames, you'll do this. You have links to use soccer. So I don't have to spend a lot of money on, you know, paying veteran players or paying, you know, eventually when there is free agency, if that ever comes, I don't have to spend a lot of money. Like you have those connections. Oh, Christy Holly, you have all, all those connections. How about you? We're a brand new franchise. How about you come on and you bring that? Well, that's what was attractive to them is you, these, these people come and they're monsters, they're tyrants, but they have connections and they say, okay, yeah, we're going to give you unlimited power. Same thing with Paul Riley. Oh, you're very successful. You're very well known within U.S. soccer even considered it one time as a, as the U.S. Women's National Team coach. And then people were like, mm, you might not want to do that. There's some stuff there. And they're like, okay, yeah, how about we not do that, but still continue to let him coach in the NWSL. So like it's, it's, it's to me, it's a, it's a mixture of many, many things. But one thing that it definitely is, and, and something that really bothers me is the way that women's sports is always framed as charity. Anybody putting in, you need to be grateful for them. You need to be grateful that people are paying money, that are investing whatever resources they have, and whatever they're doing is great because without them, the league wouldn't exist. And that is absolutely not true because the players are the league, not owners. Well, that's one of the biggest parts right, of that too, right? From this investigation, it was mentioned several times that because there wasn't a lot of investment, um, and obviously we know about, like, especially from you know Meg's initial reporting, um, whether first article about Paul Riley, but knowing about the culture of silence around the NWSL and because players would bring up very credible allegations, like bring up very credible allegations of abuse throughout the league, you know, and teams either would or would not investigate that um, or would, you know, hire a general counsel, but be deeply limited in scope or something like that basically not only created that culture of first of all extreme toxicity but that culture of silence and it it was reiterated to players on several different occasions of you should be lucky that you're playing soccer in your home country that a league exists Mm -hmm. don't do anything to bring bad light on the league we're barely making it through you know don't shed bad light on the league we might not exist anymore and it's just i mean (laughs) When you read through this report, you're like, oh, this is bad. Oh, it just keeps getting worse. Oh, wow. It just keeps getting worse. And it, and it's like, it's that also that way for 319 pages. I can't lie. At one point, I was surprised that it just kept getting worse. I was like, this is going to depths that I did not think was possible. Um, but one thing that I think, like, and obviously we're going to talk about the aftermath of this report um, and how it's been affecting players, but... One thing that is also like really sticking out to me that I'm also 
unfortunately not surprised about was the revelations that specifically the thorns the red stars and the courage um oh sorry not the thorns the red stars and the courage the the thorns the red stars and louisville were actively trying to impede this investigation and i was like y'all have lawyers how dumb can you be like this report is going to come to light every like they're going to find out and then find out that you are actively impeding this report like how dumb can you be sometimes i'm like fascinated by like the true idiocy that it also sometimes per- like percolates through women's soccer in this country yeah i think that's that's got kind of my my thing about why they idolize the nfl is they just think that they're smarter than than whoever is going to be investigating them or that they're or that if they know that they're not that they're going to have the, the power and audacity to be able to say hey we're, we're not going to cooperate and then going to be covered because somebody wasn't able to get what they wanted but y'all this was a former u.s attorney general <laughs> like <laughs> attorney like attorney general you yeah. think that they're not going to find out what they yeah. need to find out like yeah I, I i just it's it's stupid but and, and it's also like those same, some of those same, I think every single one of those same that was pointed out, um, that Sally Ace specifically pointed out and said they did not cooperate, they didn't provide documents in, uh, in, a, in a timely order, or they delayed, or they didn't provide what was what was requested of them, or whatever. Uh, there were a number of accusations she put in there about things that they did to impede her investigation. Uh, then they turned around. And in their statements, we're talking about the joint investigation that's going on with the NWSL and the NWSL Players Association, specifically noting or trying to say that, oh, yes, we are fully uh, uh, cooperating with that investigation. And I'm like, if you couldn't even like send Sally Yates like documents and, and return emails or, or produce you know correspondence that she was asking for, I don't have any faith that you're going to be in, trying to do this with the NWSL and NWSLPA. However, I also believe that in this joint investigation, they have legal authority. Um, the NWSLPA has legal authority to stuff. Now, obviously, I'm not a lawyer. I know that there are a number of ways that things can get tied up and that can be that can be argued in court. Who has authority over what? What what's really pertinent? Like there's there are a lot of things you can do to tie things up in, in language and courts, but it was just the audacity of specifically of the ones that we know did not cooperate, try to tout the fact that they were fully cooperating with this investigation. And it's like, and also it was weird to me why they kept saying like, you know, uh, basically trying to like delay any action by saying like, we're going to wait until that investigation. Yo, that investigation should be even worse for you because like, like Courtney mentioned, this was just three teams. And three situations that we knew about. We didn't know the details on Christy Holly, but we knew there was bad, enough bad in his past and could presume. Um, but yeah, I like it should be even worse. So might as well go ahead, pack your bags and get on up out. And yes, talking to you, Arnold Whistler and Merritt Paulson and James O'Connor and Jill Ellis, too, by the way. Oh, 100 um, percent. Also, one thing about this. It, it's so actually I will say um, in the top, it does say that like they they did mention three teams in their participation and they were like the red stars took a while to produce documents but they you know did for the most part produce documents racing was like trying to basically say which is also deeply problematic practice as a team and also it's like an organization that you should not do is forcing players to sign like i'm not saying they're forcing players but they have 
non-disparage agreements and non-disclosure agreements. Yeah, those got to go. <laughs> those got to go with um, immediacy. Yeah, um, and so yeah. they were saying, you know, that because of that, they couldn't produce documents. A whole, probably a whole lot of legalese. And Sally Yates was like, no. <laughs> um, but for the Portland Thorns, they did say they were literally like the Thorns lack of cooperation delayed this investigation. Like, like outright said it. Yeah. Um, and that's the interesting part also with the NWSLPA investigation, because it's like, we know you didn't help you actively for some teams actively tried to narrow the scope of this investigation or, you know, delay the findings by not, pro- you know, providing documentation and things like that. So it's interesting looking forward at the NWSLPA and the NWSL investigation, given that there's probably a lot of stuff in here. Like there's probably stuff that Sally Yates knows and there's probably stuff that the NWSLPA knows. And now this, the releasing of this investigation, like, might have opened up the NWSLPA's lights of things. But, like, the findings of the investigation comes out just, like, really strengthens, to me, the PA's investigation, especially if teams were, like, you know, trying to beat around the bush with it. And it's like, actually, uh, by all the documents presented in this finding, like, blah, 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 blah. So, <sighs> it's really bad. All of these three people that were the focus of this report are absolute monsters. Um and one thing I want to point out as well, because I know, Andre, you said this, and this was kind of clear in the report, that besides generally not really having background checks for these coaches, when a coach would leave, sometimes it, like their new teams, like they said this, that the Courage asked, um, I'm pretty sure U.S. Soccer, this was specifically Sunil Galati, like, hello, is there anything you can tell us about Paul Riley? And they were like, talk to the Portland Thorns. And it was like, Portland didn't tell them anything. And not saying you shouldn't have, like, tried to do your own outside research, but, like, one thing, and this, you know, somewhat happened with Louisville as well. Of And I and I really want to point to U.S. soccer's involvement in this. Because I know they're really trying to probably wash their hands of it. Of, like, that was the NWSL, but also you were the general manager of the NWSL. It literally yep. happened under your watch. Mm-hmm. Um, of, like, teams, for example, trying to find out, prop like, information of these coaches throughout, like, probably more proper channels and someone up top there being like, Oh yeah, just go ask them. Or like really just like letting, like letting terrible people continue spreading terror. Like you could have very much been like, hello, here's all the things we have heard or been told about Paul Riley, Roy Dames, Christy Holly. And said, I mean, as it says in the report that somehow they took for Christy Holly is a glowing review. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like every, it's almost like this is a maze. And like every corner you turn, you learn something more terrible. Or it's like, wow, someone could have just easily sent an email to stop this. And it was like, nope, we're just letting abuse continue. Hey, we're not listening to our, while we should listen to everyone. Unfortunately, for a lot of people in power, they only really care about the people that are making them money. Hey, let's listen to our national team players who are actively making us boatloads of money much more than the men mm-hmm. as we know and they're like huh terrible working conditions huh abuse huh wow a- abuse by their coach huh we're just not gonna do anything and for that i'm just like burn it all down burn it all down i mean shout out to that podcast but also just burn it all down <laughs> every single part of it to the ground and then bury the ashes a little bit more yeah i i'm so I can't remember how many years it was, but like the the report highlights this. If you go through it, I, I believe it's specifically Rory Dames. That man was 
had either an investigation or reports of, of toxicity and, and abuse against him every year. I think it was for like seven straight years. Oh, uh, I think that was actually might have been for Paul Riley. It might have been both oh, of them. I mean, it might have uh, been both. <laughs> 2015 yeah. to 2021. Yeah. It's just like That was repeated. from Courtney in college to Courtney now. Yeah, it's just it's repeated, and I also think of like Kristen Press and all of the, all of the things she did to try to talk to people about Roy Dames going to U.S. Soccer, going to the who were at the time the NWSL's general counsel and the NWSL's uh, commissioner, you know, and it even got to a point with her where Dance was like joking with her, like that is such a dangerous environment to be in when somebody knows that you're you know that they are. And dead wrong. What they're doing is wrong, abusive, blatant, and, and terrible. And you continue to try to get somebody with some level of authority to pay attention and do something about it. And not only does that not happen, this person now knows you're the one that's, that's reporting them and that's trying to get them, you know, quote unquote, in trouble, but really just be held account for things that you're actively doing. And he's like, there was, a, there was a piece in the investigation where he's like making like comments about it, like, oh, going to report me again or something like that. Like, that is just so like letting it get to that point is just what, like, I just, I cannot, that is such a dangerous position to be in. And we're talking about a player that is one of the most well-known and well-liked players in, on, on the planet. And at every turn from say sport to us soccer officials, to NWSL, to anybody else who would not listen, who heard and did nothing. They just took her and just, eh, we're not going to do, like like Courtney said, just, eh, like we're not even, we're not going to pass this along. We're not going to move this along. We're not going to do anything about it. And it's just like, it's so infuriating. And I I will say like, I, I do want to touch on the burn, burn it all down thing, because honestly, it's very difficult to read through this and think like, that is the only solution. And honestly, I think okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make a very strange, and I'm sorry if this is a spoiler alert, but I'm gonna make a very strange uh, because I watched it. Um, it. It basically became my coping mechanism. It makes very strange analogy, um, and this is with Westworld. If you've seen it, cool. If you haven't, whatever. Basically, the um, framing behind it is trying to figure out is humanity doomed or not, and in the end of the of the of the seasons that we have so far. One of them is saying, like, one last chance. We're going to rebuild and put things back the way they were and give humanity one last chance. And I almost feel like this is where the NWSL is right now, because I think a lot of this stuff, and, and we've talked to, you know, the OG friend of the pod, Kaya McCullough, they took her 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 soccer career away. The thing that she's loved since she was a child, they took it away from her. And I think burning it all down does the same for a lot of players. And that's the thing that scares me. And of course, that also is dangerous because it can also protect a lot of people that are bad. So I, but I do think that we need to see tremendous amount of action, tremendous amount of structures, tremendous amount of player protections and things and, and reporting mechanisms and, and things to say to work the way we saw, like Amanda Cromwell, out of here, like done, can't do like, no, you're gone. And I think we need to see more of that for people. We mentioned the owners, we mentioned James O'Connor, we mentioned Jill Ellis, but I think that's the route it has to go. And if it doesn't, then yes, like any any sort of keeping on, keeping hold of anything 
the old way to do things, if you try to bring any of that into the new, what should be the new NWSL, then that just, then that's it. You pull the, you, you light the spark and you blow the whole thing up. But I do think that the players involved um, are deserve a league, but they also deserve a league where they're not going to be the, the potential abuse of abuse is zero. You don't need, like, this is not a sustainable situation. And the people that were responsible for making it what it has been need to go so that it can be built into something that it has always deserved to be and that the players deserve. Yeah. And you know, it's tough because I do say burn it all down. I also recognize, like I say that, am I confident something like that would happen? No. If I'm being the most honest self. Um, it's happened before. <laughs> what? It's happened before. <laughs> well, okay. What? Well, yeah, that is true. Can you burn can you burn the roots without setting the tree on fire? No. I mm. I, I think sir, sir I think well. Uh, well, sorry, I was I quickly so. pondering. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but it I think it's tough when you read something like this and you know how deep it goes and how deep the rock goes. Yeah. And it's like and actually I think you to actually make a, a legitimate it's not even a metaphor. Um, because it actually happens of, you know, when you have like a plant that's rotted to its core, but some of it is worth salvaging, like the owner of the plant decides like, okay, am I going to cut out this rot and replant it somewhere else? Or do I give up and just like start a new plant? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I feel like the point where I'm at after reading this, but also, for example, knowing, and maybe this will transition us to what's happened in the recent days following this report of seeing that change is possible but it's also like you have to overhaul the entire system like you have to cut out all the rot and replant it does that mean making a new league maybe but it also could be just getting every like all i don't even want to say bad apples because people really take a part of that quote and not the entirety of the quote which is the bad apples spoil the bunch Mm -hmm. um but it's just like there needs to be such major overhauls. And I know we're talking about like the NWSL and, you know, teams like Angel City coming in and, you know, obviously I know we just mentioned Jill Ellis, but also like San Diego coming in, creating an, a new, like a new record and all these new records are being broken. And, you know, over the entirety of the season, there's now been 1 million NWSL watchers. Like the, all of these great things are happening on the surface, but it's like. Because the players are so dope. I mean, truly because the players are yeah. so dope, but it's also like you see the underbelly of it, like reading mm-hmm. this, seeing like, you know, ski- seeing the overall lack of professionalism by Sky Blue and also the lack of movement of profession, like towards professionalism until very recently. And even then there are still problems, but like at least players aren't taking um, like uh, they're not taking ice paths and trash cans. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like that still persisted until very recently like yeah 2018 which is when i graduated college like that's not well it feels like a very long time ago i will say that's <laughs> not actually very like that's not a long time ago yeah and so it's just like you see this stuff and it's just like it's also really easy to feel hopeless and i can't lie i don't know if i've moved really past that hopelessness yet but there are things that I think people are starting to get a bit hopeful about. Like, while it took forever, and the fact that we needed to, you know, seek confirmation about this, um, 
Gavin Wilkinson and Mike Golub have been fired from the Portland Thorns, Portland Timbers, Timbers Thorns organization. I don't know how they say it. They just yeah. always write PTFC. Um, while we did have seat confirmation that relieved of duties actually did mean fire. Right. Um, that's how distrust, that's how yeah, much trust these people do not have. Right. And it's <laughs> like, we also learned like, you know, fans have been writing to teams, main sponsors. I saw specifically with Alaska airlines, which is like, I knew I liked flying y'all. Um, <laughs> that they're redirecting funds for the quarter that they would have bought out with like sponsorship. They're directing it to funds that specifically go to supporting the players. Um, We know that Arnhem Whistler has stepped back from governance. We don't necessarily know what that means because he, it's a step back from a step back apparently. Yeah. Cause he said he's step back post to that Dame's piece dropping. We also don't really know what that means. Really? Um, Even though Chicago's board of directors have voted to boot him, which is like truly power to you, board of directors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wish you did it sooner, but whatever. Um, and I mean, with Louisville, the sponsors are beginning to pull their support or f- again, funnel it towards players. But it seems like the Louisville board hasn't really done much. If Andre, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought O'Connor was already leaving or already left the organization. Mm. whoever was club i was still there whoever Um, was club president of louisville that organization did leave at the end of last year um i cannot remember if it's o'connor or someone else that was like kind of high up in the organization that had left yeah it was someone Um, else because o'connor is the one who put out a letter that was read to the players and they were like to i think it was tyler green uh, and forgive me if the name is wrong but he had a few players on a Zoom call and read his letter word for word and had them respond to it. And that's a very good video to watch because um, I believe like Jorian Balcom was there. Um, I can't remember all all of the other players that were there, but it was like, yeah, um, that's not a situation. Sorry. It was Brad Estes. Yeah. yeah. President of Louisville city and racing Louisville, which is also still like you were the president of, the team like you're president of the company that owns these two teams (sighs) yikes um but yeah obviously that's what's been happening so far um at least in the immediate aftermath we know that also a few like groups of players have really statements as well um and really what comes next is nwsl nwsl pa investigation um uh, obviously as we already mentioned Fans have been, you know, tagging and emailing sponsors, which is fortunately we know in this country to get shit done, you need to hit people in the mouth. So hit them where it hurts, which is trying to ruin the bag for them. Um, I have other feelings about that that we're not going to get into on this podcast, but that is the current thing that is working of the fact that sometimes make, like ruining someone's money is louder than the demands of the players. Um, and we've also seen that players in the you know, the past few days, Sophia Smith had to answer a question about this. Bella Bixby um, put out a statement on Twitter basically asking fans to basically saying, like, we'd still love to have you at games. We're not going to tell you, you know, how to respond to, all, you know, this investigation coming out. Um, but, you know, they're really just kind of speaking from the player's perspective of they want to play in packed stadiums and want to play in front of fans and, like... It's, you know, it's a very tough, I think from a fan perspective, it's a tough situation to be about, like to be in, 
sometimes because it's like we know like we've heard it time and time again with fortunately all of the fans and teams that have been embroiled in controversy this past year and a half um of you know they're we've heard it over and over again that they're not fans of the club per se they're fans of the players they're here to support the players um and you know it's a nuanced and complex situation but that is you know what has been happening of players having like players being put in the position where they have to ask the fans to show up to games despite all the bullshit that they have to go through and that all the terror that their organizations have let rain yeah and i think that's just unfortunately that is like the way that sports is run in this country um that's the conundrum fans are in so um i would say to you that i i do believe that players it's hard it's hard right i i think i saw there's a, a portion of proceeds and i i hope it's more than a portion but we'll see um uh that portland was saying that their proceeds are going to go to charities from the that the players are are um going to direct the funds to I think it's stuff like that that needs to happen. Like there needs to be something because that is the hard thing. The players do deserve packed stadiums. We talked about it. Like that's the whole reason to not burn it all down at the moment, only because the players deserve to have this. They deserve to have support to play in full stadiums because they are that good. But it is difficult. And, you know, Courtney, while you were talking, I was trying to think of the metaphor because you're talking about like cutting out the root and like repotting a plant. I think I figured it out because it is difficult because the foundation that the NWSL was currently built on is bad and you cannot do that. So like, have you ever seen like a house on the back of a truck on the highway? I think that's basically what we need I to do. Have. I know it's always crazy to me where I'm like, is that a front door? Like why, why is why is there a whole ass house on the back of a truck? But I think that, that to me, that's the metaphor where we need a whole new foundation. So I think the players make up the league. So I kind of liken them to being what's like, what's being moved and placed upon something much firmer, much better for them so that they can continue to do this in this country. But of course, as I said, if that does not happen, then we need to have uh, talks. But right now that is where we are at. I think there is really no way to transition. So we're just going to say we'll be right back and we'll discuss the U.S. Women's National Team's bad European trip and the NWSL playoffs and get out of here. Um, Courtney, anything before we go? Um, donate to the NWSL Players Association. Yes, donate yes. to the Black Women's Player Collective. Facts. Oh, actually, sorry. I do have one more thing to say. Oh, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, one thing that's been on my mind, and I feel like Black people either, you know, Black fans, Black media members. Real, I'm talking about us. You know, the collective us. Um, one thing that has gone quiet throughout this reporting and, you know, the investigation and the results is just, and it's something that we as Black people know, and unfortunately it's a lived reality for us, but when people do not take serious the trauma of being in extremely racist environments. It was hit on maybe... Andre, I'm going to say maybe three times in this report. Would you say it's a fair number? Three or four yeah. times? Yeah. And it's just like, this league needs major reform. From Andre's metaphor of we need to put the house on the highway and drive it somewhere else. But when it's placed down somewhere, it is crucial. And any synonym that you can think of with the word crucial, critical, important, necessary. Vital. Vital. Great word, vital. Racism and the racial trauma endured by players front office staff 
and fans needs to be taken just as seriously as all the other abuse in this league. Yes. I saw, there was actually a really great article today. Um, Of course, I lost it on my timeline per usual, but it was out of Anscape. I'm very sorry for for forgetting this person's name. Actually, I can tell you it because I just found where I was reading it from. Uh, From Tamara Griffin about Black women in the NWSL. And she specifically pointed out something that unfortunately I have experienced and it very much sucks to experience, which is the pet to threat phenomena where you come in and they're so happy about you. And then you honestly start doing great things and they're threatened by your brilliance. But I just need, I don't even need it. I want this for the people, the fans of this league and the front office staff and damn sure for the player of this league to have their experiences not only validated, but supported. But when a player comes out and talks about racist abuse they endure, to have the exact same amount of outrage, the exact same amount of response on the league's behalf, to be taken seriously. Because we know in this reporting, for example, Samantha Johnson and Kristen Press talking about specifically Roy Dames and having, and I mean, I won't get into it, but the TLDR was that they they were not listened to and nothing was done on their behalf. And so going forward, when we cut out the rot, a part of bringing it back together is making sure that for black players and also other players of color in this league, that when they talk about racist abuse, they endured or the underbelly of racism throughout women's soccer in this country, that they're taken seriously and that they're supported. And also when you want to go forward and make the league better, that they are centered in that work and in those conversations. Absolutely that, because it is all connected. These are all systems, y'all. And racism is a system that is used to oppress and a target. So it is all the same and deserves the same sort of reaction, protection, response, reaction from people that are that is happening now. So I do, you know, it's, I mean, you can you can look at it and say, you know, I mentioned it earlier about how many times Kristen Press tried to alert people about dames. Reason There are many reasons she wasn't listened to, and one of them, very likely because she's a black woman. And whatever that, like, that, we know the history there. And, of course, there's, the terrible things didn't just happen to black players, but that's like, it's all connected. It's all connected. It's all part of it. So, yeah, I'm, thank you for saying that because it is something that didn't, wasn't dug into deeply for probably a number of reasons, but it's there. And whatever foundation we move to, you are correct. If that is not, we are going to end up right back here um, if that's not taken care of and addressed. And given the exact same weight as as a lot of the other issues um, that we learned about and that we've known about for years. So including racism. Including the racism. And don't forget who put their neck out on the line to open up this conversation about abuse. And lost a career because of it. But yeah. Lost their careers. Mm-hmm. Potentially national team careers. Mm-hmm. Do not forget who started this from the beginning. All right. Um, we can transition. I don't know how. It's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just play the music. All right. Um, so the U.S. Women's National Team had our, had its much anticipated trip to Europe, where they were going to take on Euros winners England, 
And because of another federation acting badly uh, and another coach acting badly um, in Jorge Vilda in Spain, um, we're facing a Spain squad without 15 of its best players. Um, so essentially a B squad, but also want to give them a little bit more credit than that because a lot of those players are do play well uh, for their teams. Um, a lot of Real Madrid players on there as well, who, who we know are having a good season so far and are good players. Um the game versus England was one to two. Should have been two two because Trinity Rodman scored a very good goal. It was a very well worked goal. Honestly, one um, one. <laughs> we forget that penalty happened. Like, and it true. happened eight minutes later. Yeah, yeah. So also, yeah, we don't that, even know if it was on actually in the box. I digress. I digress. Yeah. That, honestly, that's also a weird one too because the I think it was Lucy Bronze, right? She was heading down. It's not like. Is, is she didn't have her head up so for me like yeah you don't ever want to like kick a player in the face like that's not good so i understand it being penalized but as far as like a high boot or dangerous play like don't like it's 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 that's a weird one for me it's kind of in that weird territory where you could say that okay she had her head down and that's like uh, of course this is where people are trying to kick the ball so you you kind of risk that when you put your head down um, so, but, but I mean, we've seen a lot of high boots. We've seen like, especially in the NWSL, we've seen people get, you know, kicked in the chest. Yeah, I saw and, someone, and, get, yeah, it's like someone got <laughs> cleated in the chest. Yeah. Like we would like, that's, that's a high boot. That's bad. Like you, you don't want to want those things to happen, but I just did think that was a little weird. I wasn't as mad about it cause I kind of got it, but was it in the box? Was it not? That's another thing. But either way, I do think that game should have ended as a, as a draw. Um, but it didn't, unfortunately. Still was not the greatest performance from the U.S. Women's National Team. And they followed that up with losing 2-0 to Spain. Um, whole lot of midfield problems. Whole lot of not being able to connect passes or be fluid in the final third. Whole lot of issues. Um, of course, we know that the lineup was a little bit different because Emily Fox picked up an injury. And how many times we've we been saying on this podcast, you have fullbacks, please get them in camp, please get them familiar with your system. And then you just don't bring somebody up. So you end up flying somebody overseas and Carson Pickett, who should have been with the team in the first place and also saying, hey, first. how about you jump right into the starting 11 uh, against Spain, even though you just got off a, a transatlantic flight. I just, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, Same old All I have to doing, say about this, all I have to say about this is, had, um, has Vlaco learned any lessons? No. None. That's it. I'm going to be like, tear around and say, bye. Like, has Vlaco learned lessons? No. Mic drop. That's it. A single lesson has not been learned. Andre, we have particularly been talking about this for a long time. That midfield ain't midfielding. The, the midfield was trying to midfield and the midfield did not midfield. The midfield was not midfielding. Yo, the possession numbers against England are atrocious terrible i do i'm also it was anti-black for trini robin's goal to be cut off or uh chopped off um one reason because andre if you remembered one of my deeply foolish things that i said uh was that trini robin was going to go in england um and dance at wembley and haunt someone's entire family lineage (laughs) it was very close to happening and i just wanted to say i was right yeah yeah it nearly happened. Um, yeah, the midfield is bad. And I don't know why when you have um, Crystal Alyssa Dunsoubrier, who can midfield yeah. and connect things and do all the good things, you're just, you're like outside back. 
And it's like, no, literally get it together. Um, I will say, Naomi Gurma, has she said a foot wrong this entire year? The entire calendar year. Yeah, no. I don't think excellent. so. She's been excellent, like deeply excellent. Um, some things that are also concerning to me, just in general, uh, especially when Malpy was not there, why that man did not call it Margaret Purse. Yep. I don't remember if he remembers Gotham's last game against the Portland Thorns. Andre, have we we ever? Andre, have we not recorded since that happened? <laughs> uh, I can't remember. I don't think we we. Wow. Yeah. We haven't even recorded, bro. I, first of all, I was absolutely losing it because I was exhausted and had to drive from Connecticut after working a full day. Like I'm talking about, twelve hour show day. Still made it to that game somehow by the thirty third minute or twenty fifth minute. Very proud of myself. Mitch was literally raining terror. Raining like between that game and the <laughs> the OL rain game before then, Mitch was literally raining terror the whole time. And you go, huh, huh, I need a player that's really good one v one that will create opportunities. For some reason, I've told her not to score those opportunities. I digress. I'm not going there today. Um, why no mid? Like, it's so dumb. I I have so many questions about the midfield. I'm also, like, deeply concerned about what the expectation that every six that's going to come in is going to be a Julie Ertz when we know that U.S. soccer has broken Julie Ertz. That right there is getting on my nerves. Like, you need to set up players to succeed. Julie Ertz somehow gives you 185% all the time. No matter how you feel about her, you cannot deny that she gives you 185% all the time. She never stops working. And you just think that's going to fix all your problems. And like, that cannot be your solution to run players through it and break them. Like, how many times did Crystal Dunn, when she was still being put a goddamn left back, save the team? I'm thinking that Brazil game, She Believes Cup, when she made, she was literally like, probably goddamn near the, or five yards out from the 18 and literally made a cross field darting run to stop a breakaway. Perfectly timed tackle, by the way. Like, I know everyone's like, it's not a time to, it's not, it's no cause for alarm, but it's like, we've been ringing the alarm bell for months. Yeah, I don't specifically don't understand that because the things that we said were the problems are the problems. Um, yes, they, these are teams that are, well organized, except for Spain, because they didn't have a lot of their their primary players. Um, so that you, you did get probably surprised by a formation change in a style. But you also have a lot of the best players in the world. Yes, there are injuries. We know we you know, uh, again, I, I tweeted and I will reiterate it again. When will Samuels return from war? Um, we genuinely I mean, really need when, her. <laughs> um, when will Samilton return from war? Please. Also, when will Lynn return from war? She did please. a lot of important work defensively, covering up gaps, holes, and her pressing. Yeah, we're we're missing. But that's the also other when thing. old girl don't want to be positionally stay in a position. So need that, someone I, quick. I was going to say that's exactly the other. So to me, we have seen and we said this before. So I don't want to like rehash it because we've got so many episodes where we talked about this team and the problems. But like, we'll leave a list of episodes you can re-listen to. <laughs> right, there's like co- trying to copy paste. Like like Courtney said, Julie Ertz ain't walking through that door. Andy Sullivan is good, but she is not Julie Ertz because nobody is, and honestly, nobody should be because we saw what it did to Julie Ertz. She, she broke. She broke. 
um and, and like we you, you should actually no she didn't break y'all no, broke they her. broke her yeah they broke her that's the good correction yes they broke her and that's not something we should be doing so trying to play midfield the same way we have the talent we have the talent that's the thing that will always always frustrate me and this is also why i was upset about the megan rapino selection for a lot of things is that like okay you say she's going to be on the team to be a coach to kind of be there for you know, whatever to help, you know, facilitate the system, the implementation of it and all that. Cool. Why is she starting games? I know she's been good in the NWSL, but that, but that isn't that a long-term plan for the next cycle of this team. She's had her time. You know why she's not starting games? Because man's not calling up Margaret Purse or someone else who can play on the wing. (laughs) Well, that's the other, like last time I was telling, I was having an argument with people because they're like, Trinity Robbins' time will come. Well, you're going to need her. I guarantee you're going to need her sometime soon. She's good enough. We know that already. So, like, do you want her to develop relationships with the players that she's going to be playing with the majority of her career? Or do you want to keep putting Megan Rapino out there? Like, what do you really want to do with this team? Do you want to transition it or not? Do you want to try out different players or not? Do you want to try out different formations or not? Do you want to have a, a backup left backs or not? It took injuries to bring in Haley Mason, Carson Pickett. That should never be the case. They should always be on this list because we do not have healthy fullbacks, even if Kelly O'Hara and Emily Sonnet were healthy. They're not long-term solutions. We have long-term solutions. You're just not calling them up and utilizing them. Like Courtney said, Crystal Dunn, you have solutions at fullback. She should no longer have to play fullback for this team. She shouldn't have to do that. If you want to play experiment with a back three, I could see her being a dope-ass wingback, but we haven't seen any sort of experimentation all we've seen is a complex system that's really designed for a club team and for the club game and players being put out of position or not being put in position to succeed. I mean, think, look at the midfield. Kyle wasn't able to, co- to control the ball because Lindsey Horan is always the highest. And then it leaves it on Andy Sullivan and Roosevelt to cover a whole lot of ground, especially if you're having your fullbacks push as high up as they do. That's too much ground to cover. And especially with teams that are well-organized, they're going to be able to take care of that space and keep the ball from you with just two midfielders. They can pass between each other and the rest of the team. Like that's it's it's simple. You're going to lose games if you play like that. If you approach games like that, and it keeps happening. And yes, we, the team has had some success. You know, won the W Championship mainly through the individual brilliance of certain players, Naomi Gurma, Sophia Smith, to name a couple. Um, but yeah, I, I just think like we've been saying this. And they went over to Europe and got their ass kicked and they can blame it on injuries and they can blame it on people who weren't there. You know, Mallory Pugh wasn't there. You know, you had, a um, who, who, of course, O'Hara and Sonnet, who he likes to rely on. They weren't there either. Emily Fox gets injured, gets, gets concussed. And so she's out early. So yeah, you can, you can have all these things to blame, but honestly, like even if players were 100% healthy and you could pick your strongest team, this is still not, a U.S. women's national team that I believe is playing or being set up to play anywhere near the level of what they're capable of. And you cannot get away with that at this level right now. You could have got away with it maybe a few years ago. It's not even like a world's caught up thing. It's like if you make bad decisions, you're going to get ate up on the pitch. And that's what we saw. Um, I saw a lot of people tweeting, and you know how we feel about Katerina Macario. Andre said he would lay, lay his life down for her. But Please a lot of people tweeting, wow, we really need Katerina Macario. And yes, we do. However, 
Just put Crystal Dunn right there, bro. Like, first of all, we need to find a way to play both of them in the midfield. Well, midfield forward. Remember that, Andre, remember that time where I came up with the idea of having um, Crystal play as an eight and Cat play as a ten? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Crystal plays a 10 and Cat plays a false nine and then just mm-hmm. have them switch at times just to yeah. fuck it up. Yeah. Um, while Katarina Macario, while we're waiting for her to return for more, just, I don't know, every day I watch this team more and every day I'm just like, play Crystal Dunn in her position. Yeah. That midfield ain't midfielding. Put Crystal Dunn in the position. You know, it's covered up for a lot of people that the midfield ain't midfielding, winning a bunch of games by a whole bunch of goals. <laughs> and while Vlaka refuses to fix the midfield, at least put Crystal in her rightful position, it yeah. will fix a lot. And also just your instructions for the midfield. Like Lindsay Horan, we know, we've seen with Leon, she can play a deeper role. Have her play deep, cover the space, use your wingers to, to ball progress. That's what they do. Sophia Smith is great. Trinity Rodman is great at that. Mallory Pugh is great at that. Like there are things you can do to make the lineups that he's putting out there, even though I would call up different players. I would have multiple players that I would continue to call up and rely on instead of some of the older players. But even if you want to approach the lineup the way that he has and rely on the players that he's relied on and give opportunities to them and make other players wait for it, um, I I still think the team should be playing a lot better. Like Lindsey Horan, she always ends up in that left wing position. I'm always so frustrated about it because I keep thinking like, okay, now what if that was Crystal Dunn? Well, so one thing is Lindsay Horan ain't beating nobody to the like <laughs> she's gonna get fouled or like and, and it's not like uh, against her, like it's just not her game. Like, yeah, she can do she can deliver wide crosses from wide out there. She's good at being able to hold the ball up there, but there's no threat in behind. There's no threat of her cutting inside and unleashing a shot. There aren't any threats. She's pretty stationary out there and she's lost the mobility because of injury, and that's unfortunate, but she has a role that she is still very good at. And you just don't allow her to play it. And instead, you kind of let her roam and do her thing on the left wing when it's like when she goes out there and gets the ball, think about how relieving that must be for a defense because it's not Crystal Dunn. It's not Mallory <laughs> not It's not. It's not Sophia Smith. It's not Trinity Robin. It's not even Megan Rapino. Like you can be like you, you doing that does nothing to scare the defense. Nothing. It's so weird to me that that keeps happening. And I'm like, yo, if she can do this for Leon, why, then it must be up to Vlatko's instruction of him her, to him telling her, yeah, go ahead and join the forward line and get high. And I know that like Ashley Sanchez has said when she plays in that role, you know, in midfield, he does ask her to join the, join the forward line a lot. But she's even a different kind of player because she can beat a player one-on-one on the dribble and get by, and get by them and get into the box to deliver across. Haran can't do that 1v1. She needs runners off of her. She needs runners around her to create space, to make space, so she can make decisions with the ball. And that's just asking a lot. And then, of course, when the ball's turned over, she doesn't have the mobility to get back and defend. So it's just like, it, this is obvious stuff. And it's frustrating because, like, we have the talent to play. Even though I don't think we should be playing with the same instructions and formation that we've been playing, because it's clearly been predictable, reminder of the Sweden game, where they just ate us up because they knew exactly what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, and also had a smart game plan. Baku yes. got outcoached. I forgot to mention that. Big Baku time. got outcoached. Yes. And it's con- going to continue because there hasn't been any, there hasn't been much change. And yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, it's frustrating to me because the players don't deserve this. They're too good and they're going to get, it's, it's going to become, because people don't follow the team consistently, 
the national media kind of jumps in whenever they have like, oh, there's trouble happening. And they don't really understand that like this team has played a number of games. Where were you when they're playing Nigeria and Uzbekistan? And we were like, hey, like, yes, these are big wins. However, you know, well, there's there wasn't really big wins in wrong. Nigeria. Yeah, but exactly. They win the W championship. Great. But there's something still wrong. And it's only when you get to moments like this where we're like, so we've been trying to tell you. And instead, people are going to look at it and be like, oh, players aren't stepping up. No, no, no. They're just in bad positions with a bad game plan. Um, also, even though one thing I do want to say is because this was brought up where people were like, play Lindsay Horan and the like she plays with Leon. But I also will say 95% of the time, Lindsay Horan because Leon is so dominant, she's not super tasked with defending all the time. Obviously, I know I remember the Champions League final, those things. But to me, it's also like, I don't want to say it's few and far between, but because Leon is so dominant, it does also still allow her to like roam a bit yeah. and get into the attack. And it's just like, you can't rely on her to constantly be in a defensive position. Because even at her best with Leon, like, Leon is constantly beating teams by multiple goals. Yeah, occasionally, you know, they're being pinned back and things like that. But, like, over the course of their season, how many times are they beating teams by at least two goals? And it's, like, not a incredibly tough game for them. It's, I would say, over the course of their season more times than not. So it's also tough because when you're playing with a national team, and, for example, you're coming up at a World Cup, for example, you have seven games. If You know, if you make it to the final, you have seven games. I'm going to say five out of those seven are going to be against tough opponents where at times you're really going to need to sit back and defend. And like at the moment, that's just like not her forte because she also did not grow up playing the six. Like it's not like that was ever really her position that's kind of come later in her career. So it's also like either you have to also do what Leon does, which is play two sixes or well, the players, I don't want to get into it, but like they play the formation and game plan are, are different. Yes. Um, or like just let her roam and you have to like change formations, either play like four two two with maybe like some type of box midfield, or like play four two three one and just kinda like there there just has to be an um another solution. But also one thing that I know we were like, when will Samilton come back from war? Um, but also like it does make me wonder how many of these players are also playing through injury. Like I cannot stop thinking about Monterey, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Lindsay Horan is 100% medically fit. <laughs> right. And Babes could not... We saw her all try to jump. There were about 85 bandages around her knee. Like, and this goes back to Julie yep. Ertz. Like, these players are getting run into the ground. Like, and that is no also reason. why you... Play no Sam Coffee, Andy Sullivan, double pivot. It'll work. I'm Try it. Really wow. I mean, like, you have options, dude. Like, this is what kills me. Stop running her knee into the ground that. because we know oh she's God. injured. There's like a few things more in the world that I really want to see. Um, yeah, it's it just doesn't it's just deeply frustrating. Um we can maybe go into more if we, if you all want more in-depth tactical analysis, we can go into that at another time. But yeah, it's just Oh, we're gonna have another one because we got in November, Germany twice. Oh yeah, we'll be back. <laughs> oh yeah oh i meant specifically about these games if y'all want okay deep, yeah I'll, deep say, tactical I, analysis i'm i'm gonna um, wait until november because those, those are the way germany play the way they high press as well like i can't remember how many of their goals during the euros came because of high i think it was something like 
some some crazy numbers of the like 30% of the goals they scored were from like high press turnovers in and around the boat opposition. We're gonna box. get Ian. I'm telling you, like that team is is nasty. I, so you gotta I, like be very careful. These games versus Germany. Yeah, they're here in the States, but yo, if change tweeted, don't come. Mm. Um, I tweeted after the game saying that um Lena gonna eat us. And she is. <laughs> yeah she is gonna Oberdorf eat is gonna have a, a gonna yeah that she that's basically that's game. that's new julie Ertz. we ain't got her we don't got her <laughs> that's who uh, that is we we don't have her though so figure something else out um but andre anything yeah. else to say about block of foolishness <laughs> no nah, let's let's move on to the nwsl playoffs and then get out of here real quick yeah so the nwsl playoffs are coming up um, Andre, because of all this nonsense, I was not able to properly gloat on the podcast that I was writing all my predictions. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> I was. I said I that Owl Rain was going to somehow win. Yeah, nailed it. The Shield. Thank and you, Gotham. All six teams that have remained in the top six since like week nine were going to make it to the playoffs. And actually, was, I'm sad about that because North Carolina would be fun. It's like they could wreck a whole lot of things in these playoffs. But I think as they are now, mm, looking real chalky. All I'm saying, I was just like really excited to like literally gloat and be like, <laughs> look at me and my crystal ball. And then this report decided to drop and I realized I could not gloat on social media about it. Because it was like, Courtney, more important things. And it's like, I know, but Fair I got enough. these two things right. <laughs> I got these two things right. Yeah, I did think O.L. Rain was going to win for some reason. I just, I just had a little feeling, me and my crystal ball. Um, so, yeah, NWSL playoffs upcoming this weekend. Yes, Sunday. <laughs> I was like, what day is it? Uh, this Sunday, Houston Dash versus Kansas City Current, Sunday at 5 p.m. on Paramount Plus. Uh, and then the following game is San Diego Wave versus the Chicago Red Stars at 10 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Don't argue with me about CBS Sports Network. I don't make them decisions. Argue with your mama. <laughs> Agreed. So, Andre, <laughs> predictions. Oh, this is like I was so feeling Kansas City until they had just about the worst. Like I thought they were going to host a playoff game. I thought things were going to be great. Like they were going to be a composed team. And then all of a sudden they end up losing to, to Rossing of all teams on the final day. And that bumps them down. Now they're traveling to Houston. And they're missing Desiree Scott because she picked up two yellows, which gave her a red in that game. So, like, I'm real shook for Kansas City right now. Um, this is kind of a very strange tactical matchup because I think both teams play very well without the ball. So this could be one of those things where, like, the, the other team like, trying to bait the other team into, take, like, possessing the ball in the areas they want. Like, we don't want it. Yeah, y'all just go ahead and keep passing this around. No, we don't want it. Y'all keep passing the ball around. So I don't really know how this game is going to go because both teams like to hit quick on with transition. And yeah, I this one confuses me. I kind of am leaning towards Houston just because I think losing Desiree Scott, given the identity and the way that Kansas City has played, I think they really rely on her in a lot of ways. So I'm concerned about missing her for this game, and especially against a team like Houston who will find those gaps in transition. If somebody's a step behind, Ebony Salmon is gone. So I think that's probably going to happen. I'm leaning Houston. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I think Houston's going to do it. Even though I want Kansas City to do it. But 
I would love for that to happen. I'm just sure. But yeah, I think, (laughs) but it's also, see, it's like, yes, they lost to racing, but it was also like they scored 17 goals against the spirit that one time. (laughs) They wrecked wrecked the spirit. And so I'm like, I, I don't know. But then they also, but then they like came back against Portland, but then also got forward on them scored by Chicago Mm -hmm. and then narrowly beat Gotham, even though that game honestly could have gone Gotham's way or a fair 0-0 tie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Houston. And then for San Diego versus Chicago, to me, that one depends on injuries. Is Alex Morgan back? Is Taylor Korniak back? Yeah. Is Mal Pugh back? Well, Mal Pugh missed for, like, family commitments, but, like, hmm. That way I'm leading Chicago, actually. Really? That's Yeah. When I think about that, Yuki Golasso. Yeah, that was dope. That just that that super dull Galazzo was dope, but and I also think about the four they put past Kansas City, but then they also lost to Chicago. See, this is tough. But then they also came back against a well rain, and then oh, this is tough. This is tough. This is tough. Yeah, I'm gonna lean Chicago only because I think there will be they will be closer to a full squad in terms of health than I think San Diego will be. What do you think? Ooh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about Chicago and health. They've been like the most injured team all season, and I know they're starting to get some players back. But I'm, I'm a little concerned. Like I know Morgan Gatraw, she started in, against Angel City, um, so that was good. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned about some of their players and how healthy they can actually be, especially in defense. Uh, that seems to be where they had like the most injuries, and they didn't really go out and get anybody uh, to help replace the, any any of the injured players well, from so. Chicago. Yeah, well, yeah. but they also had those two players that were out for red card accumulation. Yeah, but so, I mean, their their injured list is also very very lengthy. Some um, will be back, but yeah, I I don't I don't know the severity of Alex Morgan's knee injury, um, so that does concern me from a San Diego perspective. I do think like the inclusion of Jaden Shaw has been incredible for them. And yeah, yes. young player in the playoffs, like you never really know what you can get, but like Trinity Raman went, went God mode towards the end of the season and especially in the playoffs. Um, and not to say like, Oh, just do a Trinity Robin. Cause that's a stupid thing to say, but in terms of like impact that you may not be aware of um, or that, that could be something that could break open a game when they're really tense. I think she absolutely could. And so I'm I'm leaning towards San Diego just because I think they can cope with their injuries a bit better. Um, I know Alex Morgan scores a lot of their goals, but we've talked about it before on this podcast. A bulk of all her goals were penalties. And obviously you still have to score them. And she scores a, a decent amount of open play goals as well. But I think other players can score those open play goals because San Diego likes to get the ball in the box quite a bit. And I think they'll be able to do that um, against Chicago. So, you know, I'm, I'm Chicago. It's weird, though, because then you think about, like, how are the players responding to everything else happening around Chicago? Like, Fair. you know what happened with the Washington Spirit last season, for instance. But we also know that that wasn't great for their overall ability to process and to like it, it was great for winning. You know, they galvanized together. It was great for winning and results. And that that was their response. But on an individual level, they were exhausted this season. They were drained. They didn't have anything left. And that's why they had the season they had and had to endure that. So I and I also don't want to be like, oh, what what 
what team is going through the most in terms of like outside bullshit that they shouldn't be going through because that's a team that might galvanize it. Like you, that's not a part of sports that we want or, or need. So like, it's, it's just a weird thing. I can find reasons to talk myself into either one of these teams, but I think I'm leaning San Diego. Yeah. I just looked at the availability reports for both of the teams going into the last game of the season and while Chicago's was more lengthy. I do think San Diego's might be more, might have a bigger impact on the squad. Yeah, I mean, if they're missing Morgan, that's no doubt. She, I mean, well, also no Korniak, because I feel yeah. like when they didn't have Morgan but did have Korniak, they were still scoring goals. Yeah. But when they don't have either. I'm not expecting yeah. to see Korniak back because I like I, that ankle injury did not look like something that's going to be all right in a couple weeks. So. Uh, yeah, that looked like it hurt really, really bad. Um, and unfortunately, the, the Wava is not posting a lot of photos on their Instagram right now. So I can't just like be like, who's at practice um which is unfortunate but yeah yeah i think i'm gonna lean chicago because also it's like morgan katra's back zoe morris will be back i don't know how long the suspension is for bianca st george do you know Mm, that's a good question she might be back i think they they just got her for the for the for the double bird right i think that was just (laughs) a one game suspension so well i don't know if they gave an extra suspension like they did for amber brooks i mm, who knows? Not me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I'm gonna lean. I think I'm gonna lean Chicago. I think I'm gonna lean Chicago. I also think Malpew will be very rested. Yeah. And if Malpew decides to go God mode, well, what are you gonna do? Naomi Gurma. That's what you're gonna do. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. But I mean, obviously, you know, she attacked the other side and then, you know, you got a problem. So, you know, I just yeah, it's that is a fair point. It's gonna be interesting. I, Which like, of these I'm two teams has more dogs? Which Oof. player? Who has more players? Who got that dog in them? Who, more, more, more that dog. That we needed that dog. An official diaspora United that dog chart uh, for both these teams. I don't. I don't. I might. I might say San Diego. Like Mal Pugh got, got that dog, dog right? Yeah, Mal Pugh but got that dog. Yuki. Honestly, if Bianca St. George's plays, well, she got a lot of dogs. She Maybe got too a lot much. Of Maybe a little too much dog. <laughs> Maybe too much dog. <laughs> too much dog. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Danny Colaprico got a little bit of dog in them. Yeah, she got some dog. Mm. Aaron Wright, if she's healthy. Yeah. Aaron Wright got, Aaron Wright got that mama dog. Then you then I start thinking about, you know, San Diego too. Naomi, Jaden. Naomi got Amir Ali, but if she plays. I think Van Eggman too. Ooh, I think Van, Van Eggman got that dog. I think she got a little bit. You don't think this so? This is something we're going to have to discover. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to watch more closely. <laughs> this is something I'm going to have to watch more closely in the coming weeks. Tur- Turnbow is another one who has a bit too much dog as well. She got, she definitely got a bit she too much dog. She got way too much dog. You know who, you know who in both teams Loki got that dog? Ooh. One, Well, one is more Loki than the other. Oh. Goalkeepers. Ooh, Kaylin yeah. Sheridan got yeah, that yeah. dog. Yeah. Alyssa Nair got that dog, but it's quiet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alyssa Nair got the scariest kind of dog. You won't see that dog until it's too late. <laughs> so that's a lesson there, dog. <laughs> you see it, it's wrapped for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, based on the players we said, who are probably going to play, I think Chicago wins. <laughs> yeah, no, I think <laughs> who got that dog right. in them. I think you might who, be right, yeah. Who got that dog that's in interesting. them. interesting. All right, Entree. That's, this has been a lot of us. <laughs> we're, we're not going to do any heated and hype. Yeah. Because we're still heated about the same things. Yeah. 
we're just I mean we could add to the heated but we're we're at um we're on high heat for heated yes. we're just high heated um we may or may not be back next week I'm trying to little, get a little guess because Andre will be on vacation Andre Indeed. tell the people where you're going on vacation I will be in the lovely country of Spain very excited for you because I've never been and I'm very excited oh my god wait we're we're We'll, we'll talk about this offline. I love Spain. <laughs> I lived there for six months. Had a great time. Um, very good time. 10 out of 10 recommend. Uh, so yeah, I might bring with a guest, but obviously I'll let y'all know. You know, we'll talk about it. I'll be on the Twitters. Um, and yeah, that's it. Andre, got anything else to say to the people? Nope. Talk to y'all in a couple weeks. Bye. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora UTD POD. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.